Welcome to the Thrills and Chills podcast brought to you by Sharebird and Clue. This is a show about establishing product marketing, being the first product marketer, and the challenges they faced. I'm JD Prater. For the past decade, everyone was obsessed with finding a growth hacker. But now, product marketers are in high demand as companies realize their value. Startups are now asking, when should I hire a product marketer? Should my first marketing hire be a product marketer? A lot of folks want to be the first marketer, but only a few make the leap. They're the builders, the fixers, the risk takers. They embrace chaos. They're comfortable being uncomfortable. And this is a journey into their world. It's about sharing the thrills and chills of being the first product marketer at a company. Along the way, we'll meet some amazing people. You'll hear engaging stories about imperfect product launches, the challenges and nuances of everyday work, and the skills needed to succeed. And of course, fresh perspective of what it really takes to be the company's first product marketer. Before we meet our guest, we'll pause for a quick word from our sponsors at Clue. Meet Jen. She's selling her division's product to a savvy new prospect. And unfortunately for Jen, she's about to get blindsided. So that sounds great, uh, but your competitor just launched something very similar. Uh, how do you compare? Jen needs to move fast. With a few taps, she leverages up-to-date intel her product marketing team has curated with Clue. Later in the show, we'll hear more on how Clue helps reps like Jen win deals every day. Learn more at clue.com slash thrills. That's K-L-U-E dot com slash thrills. Today's guest is Sarah Dan, former director of product marketing at SurveyMonkey and now VP of product marketing at Umbabble. In this episode, we discuss being at a company when they go public, what that experience was like, and what she was looking for in her next role and company, how she evaluated that risk, and how she ultimately crossed the chasm from going from director to VP. And lastly, what it means to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Talk to me about joining Unbabble. You were at SurveyMonkey for over three years. Talk to me about joining a Series C startup as a VP. Yeah. The short answer is I wanted a new challenge. When I first joined SurveyMonkey, it was pre-IPO. The company was really at that time focused on their self-serve business, and they'd been around for almost 20 years. When I joined the company, they were at the cusp of launching their B2B enterprise business. And that for me was really exciting because that's what I came on board to lead. Because one, the B2B sales motion was really new to the company at that time. They didn't have any processes. They didn't have any go-to-market strategy for enterprise. There was really no clear sales pitch. They had four people in sales, honestly. And the, the enterprise product itself was also in its infancy. And we're just starting to build it. And that was exciting to me because... I got to take all of that and build something from nothing, which is what I really enjoy. Like over the years, I've learned that's what excites me. That's what's spring for me. In the three years that I was at SurveyMonkey, obviously my role evolved, right? Like we went public, which is an amazing experience to go through. But in addition to that, we also acquired two companies over the course of the last year I was there. 
which is intense. Acquiring one company alone and integrating that into a big business is, is a lot and doing two of them back to back, it's a lot. But I learned a lot. Like I got a lot of knowledge about how to integrate people, how to integrate processes and join products together. My team also grew a lot and I ended up before I left running both the self-serve business as well as the, the enterprise portfolio. But, you know, I kind of went back to my roots and I missed building things from scratch. And that's what I had come on board to do. I'm a starter and I like creating structure and startups are a great place to do that. And startups can be high risk, right? But they can also be big rewards. And I think for me specifically, I find Series C a great place to start at my level and where I am in my career, because when you get to a series C company, you've already established some sort of a product market fit. And you're at that point where you're trying to scale and grow, which is honestly the, the fun part of being at a startup. And so that's what led me to Unbevel. Oh, nice. So I want to back up and call out a couple of things that most of us will probably never really get to experience is a going public with the startup, like that's fun. Uh, two, getting to do like an acquisition, let alone two acquisitions alone in the same like over three year period while at the same time getting building out those motions. So I think that's really fun. I think that's really cool. And I think some things that you said really resonated with me is that you're a builder and you're, you're a starter. And I think as we think about Thrills and Chills podcast, that's what I want to dive into because I think that there are a segment uh, product marketers that are these types of people. So what is it within the series C you talked about maybe some product market fit, but what else attracted you to the company, to the role? Was it the industry? Was it the, the company values? Talk to me a little bit about that when you're thinking about evaluating because you're a director of product marketing at SurveyMonkey. You've got a pretty good company name. You've got some pretty good responsibility. You got to do some cool things. I'm, I'm assuming you could have your pick here and there of where you got to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a combination of things. So when I was evaluating on Babel, there are a couple of things that really resonated with me. One, I know a lot of people say this and it can become a cliche, but it really was true. I did love the mission of the company. So if you don't know what Unbabble does, they're basically an AI-based language operations platform. And their mission is to build universal understanding, which sounds like a lofty mission, right? And they're doing that today specifically for customer service teams. And obviously the goal is to expand that throughout the organization and have this layer of language operations. And language operations is not something that exists today. So part of it is the mission, right? It's like a, a big audacious goal to build universal understanding, but also the fact that they're building a category, which a lot of people don't ever get to do in their lifetime in a career as a product marketer. And getting that opportunity to work at a company that's actually defining and creating a new category was super exciting to me. And I think that experience can be super valuable, right? Like you learn a lot. So that was one thing that really seemed exciting to me. And then the second thing was the company is not that old, right? Like they've only existed since 2013, I want to say. But even in that time, they've acquired these amazing companies and brands as customers, which even some of the bigger companies struggle with. Like they have customers like Microsoft and Logitech and Pen these behemoth sort of enterprise companies that is really hard to work with as an enterprise, right? Like they have to go through security processes and they have really specific 
goals and, and requests of customers or vendors. And to be able to get those kinds of amazing brands on board, it just was interesting to me that a startup that small wasn't even that big, was getting these really big brands customers. So they were obviously doing something well. And then thirdly, the people, right? Like you cannot discount the fact that when you're looking for a new role, a large part of it, like you can have the most amazing product, but if you don't get along with the people you're going to work with, you're just not going to enjoy your job at the end of the day, because I work long hours and I am working with people all day long, right? Like I'm in meetings all day long. So it's really important for me to, one, like the culture of the company, it needs to be collaborative and it needs to be authentic. People need to be authentic, especially in leadership. I think that's really important for me. And so all of that kind of really like it checked all the boxes and then the role itself, right? Like you said, like I was going from, I had a pretty big role at SurveyMonkey, right? Like I had a, a huge team, but still at the end of the day, I wanted to see growth in my career. And there was a path for me at the Monkey. It was just a, a longer path because at a bigger company, there's a lot of red tape you have to go through. Honestly, at startups, you can accelerate that path. And I got offered the VP role. It was a chance for me to build my own team and grow in my career. So all of that kind of made a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Let's dive into it. VP of product marketing there. This is definitely on my radar in 2021 as a role that we're going to see a lot more of. When you think 10 years ago, wasn't a ton of VP of product marketing. We had a ton of growth marketers and growth hackers yeah. 10 years ago. And now product marketing is really starting to shine within the VP role at a Series C startup. Talk to me about what's in your purview. What's in your scope? What's that day-to-day -day look like? That's the best part, honestly. There is no clear structure to that role in a lot of ways. You make it your own. It really depends on the business priorities of that time. So the role also changes all the time. And that's something I tell a lot of people when they ask me the question of what's the ideal product marketing team structure? There isn't one, right? It really, really <laughs> depends. And especially at a startup, things change every quarter. And so product marketing is one of those roles that is so cross-functional and it is a little bit ambiguous that you have to evolve over time. So right now, for example, there's basic foundational things that you will always own as a product marketer, as a VP of product marketing, you're driving that. Go to market strategy, messaging and positioning. You're responsible for all the launches. And then there's other things that sometimes fall under your like charter and not, and sometimes not, but competitive intelligence, sales enablement, thought leadership, right? Analyst relations. So for me at Unbabble, all of those things fall under product marketing and then customer insights, obviously that wraps up everything. So right now that's like the overall charter, but what I focus on every quarter changes. So, yeah. And I'm assuming that you like that. So SurveyMonkey, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it was a little bit more structure, a little bit more process, maybe a little bit more red tape, but now moving fast, there's agility there's career growth. You can compare and contrast these two and they're different types of development. Are you someone that's okay with that kind of ambiguous shifting every quarter or does it like frustrate you? You know, there are days I will answer this very differently. There are days that I'm like, <laughs> sure. God, I wish the structure and I wish I knew what I was doing next month. But for the most part, I do love it, which is why I jumped into this role with my eyes wide open. I knew what I was getting into, like product itself is evolving every day. You don't know what the product is going to become a year from now. It's, the conversations are very different. Like you're talking a quarter ahead versus three years ahead. At SurveyMonkey, I was working on three-year strategy planning. 
which is a whole another level of thinking, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Here, I can't do that. I can't even do like annual planning. I have to do H1, H2 because things change so fast. And I do love it. I honestly, at the end of the day, do love it because it keeps things interesting. And also I'm the kind of person that gets bored easily. And this definitely helps me. It keeps me on my toes and every day is different. There's new challenges all the time. So it does, like I said, accelerate your sort of learning and growth. In some ways you're repeating and doing the same things you've always done. And you're kind of like, oh God, why don't they already have this? (laughs) But at the same time, you are learning really fast. Yeah. And I think something too, that's key is working at the bigger company like SurveyMonkey, uh, you pick up on a lot of their processes and mm-hmm. you pick up a lot mm-hmm. of like their good stuff. And you're able yeah. to take that with you into this role where I think if you were to jump into this three years ago, so think prior to SurveyMonkey, I bet oh. it'd be a little intimidating, right? You'd be like, oh, I don't think I'm quite ready for this. What's going on? A boss once told me, JD, you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yep. <laughs> and I thought it was the dumbest advice when I first heard it. I was so upset that he would tell me that. And now right. here I am 10 years later going, oh, that's what he meant. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's great advice. And that's actually one of the things I, I look for when I'm hiring is because at startups, you really do need to be comfortable with ambiguity. And if you're not, then you know you can't really work at a startup, honestly. And you are hiring. So talk to me about some of those skills that you're looking for, you know, in your first kind of PMMs that you're looking to onboard in the next, you know, month, two months, six months. I won't go beyond H1. We can go from there. Yeah, I think there's in general, there are things that I look for every time I hire, regardless of the company size. I think product marketers need to have a specific skill set. And mostly, I think I focus on the software skills than the technical skills because Mm. technical skills can be learned. I've hired people from all different backgrounds, honestly. Like I've hired people that have never done product marketing, but they have the right aptitude and they actually end up doing really well. Like a couple of roles that I think transition well into product marketing strategy, definitely, because you're still doing big picture thinking. People in sales often can also transfer well into product marketing, depending on what they're going to focus on or product, right? Because they have the technical skills that they can bring. But in general, I think it's important for product marketers to be a good, really good project manager because you're going to be working on multiple things with multiple people at the same time. And if you're not organized and all over the place, you're not going to be able to function. We already talked about the ambiguity, but I think in addition to being comfortable with ambiguity, you also need to be the kind of person that doesn't get married to a certain idea and gets fixated on that, right? Because things often change. And you have to pivot and you have to let go of things. There's often times where I've started projects, I'm halfway through and this, oh, we're changing strategy. Like you don't, all of that work that you did feels like it got wasted, but it never is. You learn something and there's always something there that you can use later on. So people that can pivot quickly is really important and not get frustrated by that. You also need to, like I said, be a big picture thinker. You need to be able to develop strategy, but also roll up your sleeves and execute because there's no PMMs that are just sitting there coming up with strategy, but never executing. There's always going to be an element of both strategy and tactical. So you need to be comfortable in doing both regard. Like I am a VP and I'm still writing messaging, right? Like (laughs) it never ends. Like you always have to be able to dig in and do the work yourself, regardless of how big your team is. And then the last thing that I think actually is really important. And this is something I've learned later on in my career 
is I think it's really important for product marketers to have thick skin because every job I've had, you're always going to face criticism, whether it's coming from product or whether it's coming from sales, a lot of time from sales, because like that, like brother sister relationship where you love and hate each other. But I've seen people that crumble really quickly and can't handle criticism. And you can't, right? You can't take things personally. You have to have super thick skin and you need to be confident in what you're doing and believe in what you're working on at the end goal. So I think those to me are more important things than some of the technical skills, honestly, because those can be learned, but these most of the times can't be. <laughs> now we'll pause for a quick word from our sponsors at Clue. Not a day goes by in sales that someone doesn't ask how your product compares. Earlier, a friend Jen dug herself out of a tight spot with Clue, the product marketer's platform for handling all things competitive. Clue helps product marketing teams collect intel from coworkers, Slack, emails, and the web, putting it all into one place that's always up to date and giving Jen the superpowers she needs when she needs them. Listen in at the end of this episode to hear how Clue empowers every team across the org with insights, something we call competitive enablement. Learn more at clue.com slash thrills. That's K-L-U-E dot com slash thrills. Oh, I, uh, those are all like fantastic list. If you're listening and you want to work with Sarah Dumbabble, please uh, <laughs> write all those down, start, you know, formulating, but if you're also listening and you're a new grad or you're younger, like I think those are also really strong list of what makes a great PMM. I think my favorite ones, I love the last one. I, I was someone that would get so angry in my beginning of my career when someone was editing my work because I saw it as they were lashing out at me. It's like, it's not about you. I'm just trying to make the project better or I'm trying to make the sentence better. I'm trying to hone this in. And once I understood that, you're like, oh, okay, okay, cool. Like this isn't because you don't like me, but it's easy. It's easy to draw that conclusion early on. And I also like the one about letting go of things too. So being able to pivot quickly is really key, especially if you're thinking about a startup, even pre-Series C. I, I was at a Series A startup and man, things pivoted all the time. It was quick. We were constantly searching for product market fit and it was fun. And now you're in this VP role. You've been there for just over six months now. A lot of questions that we get are around this 30, 60, 90. It's this mystical, nebulous, what is it? Give me the answer plan. But there's not a one size fits all plan. But I would love just to hear about some of the things that you did in your 30, 60, 90. Did you have a concrete plan or did you just do these things? Yeah. I talked a lot about like loving the fact that startups can change really fast and things evolve very quickly. So it is hard to plan for. And while I love that, I'm also a planner. Like I, I literally plan all my vacations down to the, what, what outfits I'm taking, right? I do love planning contrary to what I said. And one of the things I think that's useful as a new person coming in not knowing a lot, which can be tricky to like plan when you don't know anything, but you also bring a fresh set of eyes, which I do think honestly helps. So I did do my 30, 60, 90 day plan, but I focused more on the 30, 60 and not so much the 90, honestly. And that happened over time. So when I first joined the company, firstly, I joined the company this year in July in the middle of COVID and the company 
the majority of the people are based in Portugal. So there was like a lot of things that I had to deal with remote, uh, remote onboarding and then dealing with time zones and just changing my whole sort of routine, like waking up at 6am to start my day, which I love actually. But I wanted to take the first, because I've made this mistake before where I join a company and I'm so eager to prove myself that I just jump in and start doing projects. But I've learned over the years not to do that. There's an, actually a book that I, a lot of people recommend and I can for the life of me remember the name, like First 90 Days or something like that, which I'll look it up. But, you know, yeah. send it over. Uh, we can throw it in the show notes later. <laughs> but it was really important to me for my first 30 days to just spend time with people. I made it a mission to meet every single company. And the company is small, right? Like it's about 200 people, but it's still a lot of people. And so I, I just, basically spent my first 30 days blocking my calendar and scheduling meetings and making sure that I was meeting with almost like every function or at least every person in the company. And it's important to do that as a product marketer, I think any job, but a product marketer specifically, because a huge part of your role is knowing people and influencing work, right? Like you do a lot of work yourself, but really majority of your work is through influence. And so it's really important to build relationships. And that's advice I give every person that joins my team because I also put usually a, a, a somewhat of a structure for them on their 30, 60, 90 days. And it's really important to build relationships in the first 30 days. So that's all I did for the first 30 days. It took a while. It was obviously intense, but I think it was totally worth it. The second goal for me was really to understand the gaps. Where were the gaps, right? Like the company used to have a product marketing team a while back and then they restructured and there wasn't, uh, except for one person that was on my team, there wasn't a, a team left. And, and the, the product marketing team prior to me joining was focused on very different things because also it's a Europe-based company and Europe product marketing sometimes looks very different than it does in the US. I've learned that over time as well. And, and they will tell you that as well, that most of the times in Europe, product marketers tend to focus more on content. Um, I'm not saying that's the case everywhere, but it tends to be that case. And that's that was the case at Unbabble. So I wanted to understand where the gaps were. And what I did was coming from SurveyMonkey, I've become really focused on research and, and running surveys everywhere I go. So <laughs> I ran an internal survey uh, of all the customer facing teams, asking the questions of what's working, what's not, and just gathering that input and data from what they want to see out of product marketing. And it really was illuminating because I got a lot of interesting thoughts around what they wanted product marketing to focus on, which does did help me prioritize some of the things that I then put into my plan. Like, for example, one of the things that surfaced was there was initial frustration around the internal communication between product and revenue teams because mm -hmm. the sales team didn't feel like they had clarity on the product roadmap and the product teams were frustrated that they weren't they were getting pulled into a lot of one-off conversations with sales and they didn't really, sales wasn't looking at the big picture of what new features to build, like typical things that you face. But because of the lack of product marketing, there was nobody facilitating that communication. So I made it a mission to make sure that happens fairly soon. And then the last thing that I did to put that plan together was really think about the foundations because I gave myself these six months to just focus on building the right foundations product marketing so we could go into 2021 with a clear structure and really scale because like I said it's easy to just jump in and start doing the work but if you don't take time to build the foundations at the beginning you're never going to get time to do that 
So I made it very clear about what I was not going to be focused on in the 90 days. I think it's also important to do that. Not just think about what you are going to do, but what you're not going to do and make that very clear to everyone so that I could focus on building some of the foundational things like a messaging framework, a launch process, right? Like really basic things that didn't exist. And if I grew the team and brought on new people, it would be so much harder for me to like onboard and ramp them up and get them to do things in a more structured way if I didn't have those processes. So that's what I've been working on. That's really good. I I really enjoy that. As someone that's going through my own 30, 60, 90, I'm going to take some of those things. And one thing that also resonates is jumping into projects. This is key. I know most of us that are listening, you're thinking about being the first product marketer you want to establish. And we talked about these things earlier. You're a builder. You Mm -hmm. are a fixer. You're the type of person that wants to just jump in and start doing things and you have to hold back. There'll be some like smaller projects that I think are like totally okay, but you can't come in without that type of uh, trust and that respect that you need. Someone once told me, do you ever watch Shits Creek? Oh my God. It's one of my <laughs> absolute favorite shows. And David is like my hero. Like, I, <laughs> I love to- David. There was this interview with him and he talks about how they were successful is because it took a couple of seasons to get that character development. Mm-hmm. So you think about season one is like all about setting that foundation. It's getting that character development to understand they don't just jump right into the plot, the climax. Right. And that's uh, someone had equated that to like their own growth in their first kind of think of that first 30, 60, 90 is like your season one. Like we yeah. got to get this understanding of who this person is. Where did they come from? What's happening? Where are we headed? What are the problems? What are the challenges? And I think that was a pretty good one for all the Shits Creek fans out there. You're probably like, what is he talking about? But if for some reason it resonated with me, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> what were some of those like early challenges that I would love to see like a couple of minutes here on some of the early challenges that you did find versus six months later, had they changed? Are they the same? I think I, I mentioned a few already, but when I first started, I think the biggest challenge really was the lack of processes and structure. And I am a very process oriented person, even though I, I know that we won't typically always follow every process to a T. It's important to have one so everyone knows what their roles and responsibilities are because we are super cross-functional. Things like launching a new feature or a product is a super cross-functional project. And there's obviously like sometimes more than five teams involved. And if you don't have a process, like it can just get really messy. And they didn't have some of these basic processes, like how to take a new product to market. And one of the things that the company was trying to do was launch a new product in this quarter. And so it was really important for me to have some structure around things like a clear launch process. So that was, I think, the biggest challenge when I first started is while I'm thinking about the plan, really also thinking about the processes at the same time and thinking about what tools you need, who do you want to involve in all of that. I think now, obviously, that feels a little bit more structured and challenges right now are more around alignment and that takes more time and especially where we are today like it's the end of the year and everyone's thinking about 2021 planning so right now currently the challenges really are around alignment with product and sales planning for the sales kickoff next year and thinking about what the first half of the year is going to look like Personally, for me, I think the other challenge is hiring (laughs) Uh, because like we talked about, I do have open roles that I'm hiring for, but 
product marketers are tough to hire for. And right now, it, it, it's a good time and a bad time. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. There are a lot of really great people out there, but a lot of them are also at really great roles that they're happy. And there's not a lot of people that are looking for jobs. At least that's what I'm finding. So for me, like scaling and building my team is really important because there's a lot to do next year. So I'm just really focused on, on building my team right now. Got it. The name of this podcast is Thrills and Chills. So one question we're asking everyone that comes on is what are the thrills and the chills, the highs and the lows, the pros and the cons, right, (laughs) of your career? When you look back, what are some of those? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because when I think about this question, like it's, I don't know what this says about me, but it's easier for me to think about the the lows or the, the chills, as you call them, because... I guess it takes a lot for me to really feel like I've arrived kind of thing. But some of the lows that I think are all, it's not specific to a project per se. I think it's more generally times when I've had bad managers. I think those are the only points in my careers. And there haven't been a lot, honestly, but I've had a few where I wasn't aligned with my manager and felt like we weren't seeing eye to eye and there wasn't a growth path for me. Like those are the only times where I felt frustrated in my career and just felt like nothing I did mattered. Like you can work at the best company with the best product, but if you don't have the right manager, it can feel restrictive and suffocating. At the same time, I think those experiences do teach you a lot. Like for me personally, I've learned to, one, I've gotten thick skin out of it. (laughs) Secondly, I think I've learned to over communicate because a lot of times issues that you have with people in general tend to be due to lack of communication. And I have learned to over communicate and explicitly ask for things I need to be successful. And I think that's a skill that you get over time when you get more comfortable and confident with knowing what you're doing and knowing who you are. As for the thrills, there's obviously things that I've worked on that I'm really proud of over time. And like recognition is something everyone looks for. And those are all great. But I think for me, when I think about that, there's two things that I think make me feel like I've done a good job in my career so far. One is like we talked about product marketing is a combination of a lot of things. You can work on different parts of product marketing. For me, I've focused a lot on messaging and storytelling and few companies that I've worked for have evolved the process of messaging over time. And I feel like I've brought it to a really good place. I'm at that point where I'm actually about to create a masterclass on messaging, which is going to be like a four hour course on how to build messaging and messaging framework with templates and how to go through each step and how to launch messaging across an organization. Whether you're at a startup or a really big organization, there's certain things that you always need to do and it can be a very daunting process. So for me, I feel like that's been like a highlight of my career to hone that throughout different roles that I've had working at different types of companies, different sizes of companies. So I'm really excited about that. And then the second thing, honestly, is people. I've mentored a lot of people throughout my career. I've had great mentors, but I've also given that back. And I'm honestly in touch with almost everyone that has ever, you know, worked with me. And they still come back to you and ask you for advice or tell you, hey, because of this work that we did, like I've learned so much or seeing them be successful and grow in their career makes me super happy. Even with my team at any company that I work for, more than like getting recognition for myself, when somebody says a good thing about a person on my team, that makes me super proud because I feel like I've done my job. So I think those are probably the thrills. 
Those are fantastic thrills and chills. Sarah, thanks again for coming on, talking to us about establishing product marketing at Umbabel, being a VP of product marketing, crossing that chasm from director to VP. So congratulations and uh, look forward to chatting more with you in the future. Now a word from our partners at Clue. Salespeople want short, digestible insights. They don't want 17-page decks that are scattered across the web and who knows where. Clue makes it easy to create and deliver battle cards. In a pinch, sales teams can find them easily with all the insights they need on how to handle their competitors while working a deal. And with Clue, it's not just sales teams who want battle cards. The product team, customer success, and marketing, they all compete too. Now, everyone can compete to win. For any of you wondering how to put together a competitive enablement program or build battle cards that your sales team will love, head over to clue.com slash thrills. That's K-L-U-E dot com slash thrills. Tell them that I sent you and they'll set you up with a bunch of free resources that you can use to get started. This podcast is produced by ShareBird, the peer mentoring platform for product marketers. It's the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. And if you have any feedback on our episodes, things you liked, things you want to hear, anything else, please email podcasts at sharebird.com. That's podcast, plural, at sharebird.com.